Hello, everybody. You are listening and or watching Rates and Barrels. Listening to, not listening to Rates and Barrels. But welcome, however you are accessing the show here. I am here with Eno Saris. I'm Al Melchior. And uh, we've got a couple of big news items that uh, just broke uh, earlier here on a Thursday. But the main topic of discussion, we're going to take a, I think, probably a final ADP refresh, see who's hot and who's not in the past week and try to figure out why in some cases it's very easy to do that. But before we dig into all that, uh, just not only a reminder, but actually uh, a little bit of new information here on the Athletic and the Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit. Uh, There is now a new deal, a new way to subscribe to the Athletic, $1 a month, just $1 a month for your first year. And uh, that will get you in the door to see everything that's in the draft kit for those uh, last minute drafts that you have coming up. And of course, all the other great content on The Athletic, just go to theathletic.com slash rates and barrels, rates and barrels all spelled out. And uh, then you can uh, take advantage of that great deal. So, uh, you know, a couple of news items here to get started with. Uh, Adam Wainwright has sustained a groin strain and he is going to open the season on the injured list. So uh, it, uh, there are a couple of, of uh, contenders, I would think, to go uh, and, and replace Wainwright, Wainwright in the um, Cardinals rotation. But I did see on MLB.com that Jake Woodford was considered the most likely replacement. He was already considered uh, nearly a lock for the roster. But you know, previously, I think that would have been more in a swingman or a long relief role. So how do you see this playing out? Yeah, you know, I know that uh, Katie Wu was very impressed with Jake Woodford in camp uh, when I was in Jupiter uh, about a week ago. And she actually highlighted him as, as probably uh, the, the young pitcher that looked best uh, that could come up and help. However, uh, I also just did the work for my bold predictions, and those are going to come out hopefully Friday or Monday. Um, And I looked at only pitchers that had thrown at least 100 pitches in front of the machines and had averaged more than 40 pitches per start. So I think these are all starters. And there are two Cardinals on this list of the biggest stuff improvers across baseball. Dakota Hudson is number two. However, he improved from honestly god-awful to just below average. Whereas Matthew Libertor did something similar, actually. (laughs) uh, (laughs) The big setup. (laughs) (laughs) But they now have two guys uh, in Hudson and Libertor that have pitched before uh, that now have basically uh, league average stuff uh, for uh, starters. And uh, Woodford uh, has sort of a level below them. Now, he's been locating really well in camp. It's just that locations are harder to trust in a 250-pitch sample. So if I was uh, betting based on stuff, and that's been the the most predictive of the suite, uh, I would would go, I guess, with Dakota Hudson right Uh, now. I said Um, a couple, but yeah, a third name, because I figured Libertor was 
maybe next in line, but... Uh, I do really like what Libertor's done with the sinker and slider. He's really improved them, but most... And he could slim down his repertoire and 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 take another step forward uh, if he was given a shot at the rotation. Um, you know, you just have uh, when you're when you're kind of breaking camp and you have this IL decision and uh, you're looking at who can make the roster, like who can make the opening man roster, the opening roster. Uh, you know, I guess uh, Libertor's on there. Um, he's already on the roster, but. I'm checking right now to see if Dakota Hudson has options left. He, I think um, he must because I think he got sent down. Uh, in fact, I think it may have been earlier today, either Wednesday or Thursday. But okay, is that what? Well, that they what you're could seeing? have tired of him after uh, what was probably uh, what was definitely the lowest strikeout rate in baseball among pitchers with more than 100 innings last year. Um, so Libertor would be at least a somewhat new idea, but he was also sent down. Um, so, yeah. uh, you know, given what they've already done, uh, I'm guessing it's Woodford. However, for me, um, given their ages and their track records and their recent improvement in stuff numbers, Matthew Libertor is the most interesting of the three. Okay. And we don't have really a definitive timetable. I mean, it looks like Wainwright's going to miss at least a month here. So but it's not like he was going well before. I mean, he was throwing 86s up there. So, yeah, I mean, the, there might be some old man itis going on too. Yeah. Well, and I wondered about late last season and I certainly don't want to speculate at all about what was going on health wise. You know, several months ago now, but he was not himself for the last month or so. Of, of He was the biggest velo dropper in baseball last year from the beginning of the season to the end. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what the reason is behind that. It, it, you know, whatever the reason is, it's, it's a reason why I've pretty much faded him this draft season so far. And obviously now we'll, we'll continue to, had- yeah. I had good stuff numbers for him and, and a decent projection, and so I had him higher. But every time I've updated the rankings, he's dropped, and I'm going to have to drop him again. I mean, he's out of the top 130 now. I mean, I, I think I might put him down uh, near like sort of Trevor Williams territory in the 150s or so. Do you th- I, don't, I don't know. There's not a lot of a big use case for why I would draft him at this point. Okay. Well, one other question that I just have about this, because again, you, you named three different candidates who all, you know, I think there's, there's a plausible reason why any of them could replace him. But if we just go with this report that Woodford's got the leg up on, on replacing him on opening day uh, or, you know, for the, the first turn through, uh, do you think there's enough time there for say Libertor or Hudson for that matter to, get their op- get their chance and and stick more long term in the Cardinals rotation. I mean, given he's one of the biggest improvers, I'm going to give Libertor a chance at uh, 75 to 100 innings. I'm going to call him the seventh starter, and the sixth and seventh starters usually get sort of 75 plus innings. Um so, I'm going to move Libertor up a little bit. I'm going to move Woodford up again a little bit, but I don't know if he's much past Wainwright at this point. All right. Well, we've got another injury item uh, from here Thursday morning. Rysel Iglesias is also going to start the year on the IL. He's dealing with some shoulder inflammation. Uh, It's been termed as minor shoulder inflammation, but that's not really helping at this point with uh, any sort of timetable. What we do know at this stage is that Iglesias is not going to throw for the next seven days. So I think you have to figure that at least for the first couple of weeks of the season, 
possibly longer. Somebody else is going to have to step in and get saves. Do you think uh, there's one reliever that stands to do that more than the others? I think AJ Minter and uh, Joe Jimenez would be most likely. Uh, are there any other names to look at, or do you think there's one person in particular that uh, people should focus on? It's always kind of a guess, I think, in these situations, uh, especially with teams with players that haven't been on the team last year. You can't even look at last year's usage with with Joe Jimenez. Right. You, know, you just can't be like, oh, what did he, what did he do last year with the Braves? Um, he wasn't there. So, uh, you know, what we've have found in the past is VLO and strikeout rate have some uh, predictive quality when it comes to changing roles. But both these guys uh, throw gas and strike guys out. I've got a thirty-two percent. Strikeout rate projected for uh, Ho Jimenez. That's uh, not the way you say his name. Uh, and AJ Minter at thirty-one percent. So uh, you know, I think Joe Jimenez. Joe, see, see, <laughs> see, his last name has a J in it, and his first name has a J in it. You're, you're supposed to say them differently. Ah, uh, it's weird how this works out. Uh, I've got them separated by one percentage point in strikeout rate. The other thing is. Uh, managers go to lefties about half as much as you'd expect given the population of lefties in the game. And I know that the Braves do have other lefties in that pen, but I think there is that sort of, do I want to see the platoon advantage in the ninth with my closer? And I think most managers decide they would rather have a righty. So I think it's a menace. Uh, All right. With a long-winded way of saying it. For the upcoming weekend drafts, any reason to discount Iglesias significantly yeah 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 i mean he was i didn't like where he was going he was going ahead of felix bautista and ryan helsley and and guys that i like better than him uh i think he's got to drop into that second tier i mean uh would i rather have paul seawald or rice iglesias right now yeah i think i'd still rather have rice iglesias because i still figure munoz is gonna figure into that mariner save situation and uh, you know, maybe I'm putting a little too much faith in the report of it being a minor shoulder issue for Iglesias, but it's fair. I yeah. hear shoulder, and I, I wonder if there is such a thing as a minor shoulder issue. Fair point. Absolutely fair point. All right. Well, let's move on to some uh, ADP developments here. Uh, we'll look at uh, who's rising, who's falling in ADP, and you know, as you would expect, I mean, the the big movers. It's typically because uh, well, situations we're talking about, right? I mean, we'll see Glacius likely fall over the weekend. We'll see uh, Jimenez and or Minter likely move up. Uh, just you know, as, as some examples. So. For example, the the biggest risers in ADP, and actually I should sort of slow myself down and back this up because I should explain what I mean by rising and falling. I made a comparison between the first 15 days of this March uh, versus the last seven days. So the 16th to the 22nd, which would have been yesterday, Wednesday. So the, the last seven days compared to the first 15 days in the month and the biggest mover upwards in that time, really not much of a surprise. David Robertson, his uh, average ADP, and this is all NFBC data, by the way. So in, a, in NFBC drafts, NFBC drafts. Uh, Robertson was at 523 for the first 15 days. And of course, now that he stands to pick up a lot of saves for the Mets, he's at 198. Adam Adovino in that same situation is second, but he's only moved up from 599 to 403. And then the third biggest mover, Michael Fulmer. Now, this is not really, you know, it's certainly not injury development, but there were reports, I want to say maybe about a week ago, maybe a little longer. Uh, that he was uh, one of, I think, two, yeah, with Boxberger, uh, likely primary closers for the Cubs. Now, why 
Fulmer's getting more, you know, more of a, a vote of confidence from us in the fantasy community than Boxberger. I don't know. I will admit I drafted Fulmer in one league, haven't been interested in Boxberger, so I'm part of the trend. But uh, anything you see here at the top, that's, uh, you know, worth commenting on. Yeah, Fulmer has uh, has really improved his his stuff plus this spring. It, it looks really good, um, and he's at a one thirty five in uh, in very few pitches. But I think I've seen some changes to his pitch movements, and uh, they made a presentation to him that uh, you know I think there's a piece by Hassad of Sharma about how they made a pitch to him that they could change certain aspects of his pitches and make them better. I think he's just in a better spot. He's better velo, better projected strikeout rate. He's the guy. The only guy that I thought uh, might have uh, challenged him was Jeremiah Estrada. I think Jeremiah Estrada will still challenge him, maybe after he's traded, if the Cubs aren't good. You know, there's a lot of ways that Jeremiah Estrada can still matter in keeper leagues and and stash-type formats. But uh, for now, it's I think it's Michael Fulmer. I think it's pretty clearly him. Julian Merriweather is another guy that's had a good spring that's staying healthy. However, uh, the one thing that your closer has to do that not any other reliever has to do necessarily is pitch back-to-back. They may not want to pitch Julian Merriweather back-to-back because he's had a lot of health issues. So as much as I like Julian Merriweather, I think Michael Fulmer is the guy. All righty. And, you know, if we just go down this list and I'm not going to, you know, belabor it by reading all the names on it, but it's a, it's a lot of relievers. It's well, it's like, a, yeah, there's a lot of relievers and some fifth starters getting roles. I mean, we talked about how Jared Schuster's pitching plus is really low. Um, and uh, but at the same time, he hides the ball really well and he's got a fifth starter role. So if you'd like that early season for him. Um, I think Soroka is going to come take his job, but Soroka reported to camp with a heart with a hamstring issue. So I think Soroka is going to come take his job. But if you like Schuster's early schedule, he's fine to take as one of your last pitchers. Um, a guy that jumps off this list for me as not even having uh, kind of gone far enough. There's two of them uh, are Clark Schmidt and Jerickson Profar. Clark Schmidt is still gettable around 300, which represents like a 100 point jump for him. But I still really like him. I think he can hold on to the role and stave off Domingo Herman even when guys get healthy in that Yankees rotation. And then Jerickson Profar, man. Yeah. A starting outfielder in Colorado at 400. I think that's still cheap for him. So I'm 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 still in on Jerickson Profar even as the price rises for him. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised that Profar didn't move a little bit further up. Uh, he's uh, for the last seven days at 418 NFBC ADP. But in all fairness, I think that signing was probably less than a week ago. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, yeah, I imagine maybe if we scaled back that uh, that time window a little bit, maybe he'd he'd get uh, closer to the top 300 where I, I think he belongs. Uh, so I, I'm with you there, you know, and. Um, Anthony Volpe, not really a big surprise there. A lot of, uh, you know, hype. Uh, you know, we've all... Yeah, but 234 ADP. I, I don't know, man. There's <laughs> too, too far? Like, too far? This, I think there's some real... Some guys you can get at 234. I mean, uh, let's see here. Gabriel Moreno's uh, right there, and he's a starting catcher now, and I think he's just going to keep that role all year, and there's not that much uh, risk around him. Uh, that's, that goes around 200, 
looking for other names. Brendan Donovan goes 250. And Brendan Donovan is, is uh, you know, multi-eligible, uh, lineup spackle, goes all over your 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 lineup. And and he's been pulling uh, more fly balls. So he, it could be a little bit of a power break up there. But you also know he's in the big leagues. <laughs> you right. know? Like, uh, you know, you're pushing up on Riley Green territory. He's a guy I really like. Uh, so I, I think he's got too much helium. Um, where he's at. It is interesting that he's still in camp. But for example, I I checked out uh, Jordan Westberg, who's still in camp with the Orioles, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I and I DM Dan Connolly. And I said, "Is Jordan Westberg about to make the Orioles?" It's like this is a thing that's happening. And he said, um, "They've just had a lot of split squads." Oh, you know, it's just like. Sometimes you've you, like, had guys at the WBC or you, you're you a little bit thin there or you, you think he's going to come up later. And so you want him to play as much as possible with the big leaguers, but he's not necessarily going to break camp. You know, like there's still there are reasons a guy could still be in camp this long uh, that have less to do with the fact he's actually making the opening day roster and more to do with just how spring works and like what the team is thinking long term. So. It is interesting that he's still at the camp, but so is Jordan Westberg, and I don't think Jordan Westberg is making the Orioles. Yeah, well, but maybe there's still something there because maybe Westberg is one of the the earlier call ups, and that's not something. Yes, I would. That's have, that's something. I would. Have that's something thought. I would say yes to. You know, because either uh, Jorge Mateo has a collapse possibility, and uh, Adam Frazier has a collapse possibility. Those are the two guys they've got. Ramon Urias was a waiver claim. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, so, 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 so guys there. They could also get traded. I mean, I don't think any of those guys, uh, any of those three guys I just mentioned are really in the future of the Orioles. Mm-hmm. So if, uh, if there was a need somewhere else and they could pounce on it, then that could happen. Uh, I do think Volpe is uh, the future of the Yankees at short, but they also have guys to sort through in the meantime. Peraza, IKF, you know, they've got guys who can play there. And I just... I wonder how risk averse they're going to be. In the past, they've been more risk averse. Yeah. They've they've played guys like IKF who just have a high floor. And Peraza shows up on one of our lists. It's not the risers. So uh, just oh. building, building the suspense <laughs> there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I do want to uh, mostly stay off of relievers, but I, one name really surprised me, you know, and that's Jorge Lopez as being one of the the bigger risers on the list. Uh, Lopez is, yeah, went from 304, just outside the top 300, to, uh, you know, pretty solid late round pick in 12 teamers, 263. 
And what have I missed? Because I, you know, I did Google searches, Twitter searches, see if maybe I'd missed out on some news uh, about the, the twins. Maybe there's some pundit somewhere. Yeah. Maybe it's a pundit boost. <laughs> I mean, it could be. I really, I, I have no uh, I, I don't get it. Uh, I think Duran's uh, so high quality that it's just going to rise to the top. It's going to be really obvious uh, that uh, he's the guy. And uh, they're no longer talking about um, him as a, a starter. So the best thing you can do with him. And also Jorge Lopez is one of the bigger stuff losers this spring. Uh, he's all the way down to 102 stuff plus, which is actually kind of average for a reliever. Uh, it's not, not great. So I, I find that just as head scratching as you do. All right. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what there is actionable other than maybe, you know, based on what you and I are both saying that, don't don't follow the crowd <laughs> if uh, you're you're looking to recent ADP to. What about Nick Gordon? That's an interesting one. That is, yeah. I think I think that has to do with uh, the announcement that Byron Buxton would start the year uh, playing at uh, DH, um, and so uh, there's also a possibility that Trevor Larnock makes the team out of spring. It's something that Dan Hayes was saying. He's hitting his way onto this roster. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting roster, if you if you ask me, in terms of opportunities in the outfield. Um, I was looking for Max Kepler's name in a couple box scores and didn't see them. So I don't know what's going on with him. I would assume he's a starter every day if he's in there. Yeah. And then you've got Joey Gallo, who's kind of hard to to uh, to bench if he's he's been striking out less this spring at least. And then I guess you got Michael Taylor for defense and center. How's Larnick making this team and Nick Gordon also playing a lot? Ah, the news is Jorge Polanco's yes. knee is hurt. There it is. That's what you were your way to say. Exactly. But you got there first. So, yeah. uh, but that's interesting because, yeah, Polanco was also uh, an ADP faller. And I found that a little surprising in spite of the fact that, yeah, it's, it's negative news for him. But I think that was kind of expected. So I don't know if maybe people just were kind of hoping against hope that he would wind up being on the opening day roster and now they don't have that reassurance. Uh, so that was a little surprising, but it, maybe it's the same situation with Gordon than that people were holding back, not seeing where that playing time was going to come from. And now they, they see a window. I personally like Gordon. I want to be convinced that there's a long-term role for him. That's a, a substantial role. I could see him clearing one out eventually. I mean, he hits the ball harder than his brother. That's something that, you know, people kind of maybe see the body and think, you know, this is just another D strange Gordon, but it's not, it's not quite the same. He definitely hits the ball harder. Yeah. Yeah. And it really yeah, makes a lot of hard contact. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this plays out long-term. I mean, the twins certainly had their problems with injuries last season. They uh, have better luck this year. I'm not sure that there's an everyday role for Gordon, but you, you never know how these things are going to play out. And I want to just bring up a couple of starters who are among the top surgers. Reed Detmers, no surprise there. In fact, I think I or maybe both of us, you know, said on, on some previous episode that this rise was going to come. You've been hyping him up. Uh, we, you know, just about everybody in the community has been hyping him up for, for I think, for 90 mile an hour slider is going to get people's attention. It's 95 to 97 with a fastball. Like, yeah, he could definitely take a step forward. Yeah. It's one of the hardest things where you, you know, even if you're using Stuff Plus to try and capture changes and see things that the results don't see, 
young pitchers can change their mix, can come to camp, you know, with, you know, everybody can do that. So that's the, that's the sort of chaos in project projections. <laughs> it's like, Oh, he's got a whole new pitch. He's a whole new pitcher. So, I mean, I would say a 90 mile hour slider is very different than what he was throwing at the beginning of last year. Yeah. And, and so the difference draft wise for Detmers is that before he was uh, at 200, now he's at 170. So kind of working his way towards the middle of the draft, which again, seems expected and, and appropriate. Now, another name that's moved up nearly as much as Nathan Avaldi was at 255, now at 232. So again, kind of moving more into solid 12-teamer territory. And this is another case where I don't, I don't think it's a bad ADP. I don't think it's an inappropriate ADP, but I was kind of surprised that that he was moving up that much. So again, is there something here that I've missed or maybe, like you said, a uh, Yeah, I mean, he's throwing hard. He's throwing hard and he's healthy. And I think that's what people wanted to see. I mean, his velo, he was one of the other biggest velo losers last year. Uh, it was down from like 97 or 94 over the course of the, course of the year. It was uh, kind of terrifying to look at. And uh, he's thrown hard. He's thrown hard this spring, and he just had a really good outing. And every time that he proves he's healthy, uh, people who've been listening to this were ahead of that game and uh, already had their shares of Eovaldi. So you can pat yourselves on the back <laughs> right now. One thing that's really weird in looking at this, though, is how can all these people be up? It's so strange. Uh, there's so many relievers who are up. How can Carlos Estevez and Felix Bautista and Alexis Diaz and Paul Sewald and like and David Bednar? How could they all be up? Like <laughs> I wonder if it actually has to do with what kinds of leagues are the, in the sample here. Yeah. Because if you think about it, if you're doing a uh, draft and hold, for example, and those happen earlier in the season, right? Mm. Earlier in the off season, if you're doing a draft and hold. I think you might take a uh, an established closer early, right? You might take a you know an Edwin Diaz uh, early, uh, but then uh, you take a big break on closers because the proposition there is so the risk proposition is not good for a draft and hold, mm-hmm. where you can't make free agency moves, right? Right. But then when you start getting into the main events and the qualifiers and these leagues that are uh, more about having free agency money, being able to make moves. Once you get into those leagues, I think all the relievers start to, to, to sort of gravitate upwards versus the draft and holds. You know what I mean? That, like yeah. you start taking more middle round relievers. I would say maybe resist the urge. Middle round relievers are a really bad proposition, even in, you know, 12 and 15 team leagues. I think, you get in there early, you make that strike, you get somebody, uh, a top reliever, you want to get like a top five, six reliever, and then chill out on relievers for a really long time. Because people are throwing darts before they even realize they're throwing darts. You know what I mean? Right. Look at Evan Phillips. I like Evan Phillips. The stuff numbers like Evan Phillips. I think he's still going to be the closer, but his managers came out and said it might be Bruce Dark Ratterall. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And... I'm just glad that I took Evan Phillips instead of taking Jorge Lopez earlier than him. Yeah. You know, um, or, or any of the guys that are, that are now dropping. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think mid round relievers just be really careful with those. 
Okay. Well, that, like Giovanni Gallegos is up 41 points. Like, what is that? How is that? that? What is that? Why? Yeah, that makes no sense. Well, except your explanation, I think, does make some sense out of that because then he's part of a larger trend. It's not really Someone's about him. Taking a, they're taking him as a bench reliever. And a bench reliever right. in a 12 or 15 team league is just up above 400, right? Something like that. Yeah. So, no, that makes sense. I was thinking something that is much less plausible, which is that with those top relievers going so early that maybe that all of them were going up. They were, There's got to be some of that. Yeah. There's got to be some of that. That's, that's why you see Bautista going up. Why is Bautista going up? Because Diaz is gone. Yeah. That, and that too. I didn't even think about, you know, the fact that there's a domino effect just from that one reliever, that top reliever yeah. being out of the pool. That's a, that's a very good point that I did not consider whatsoever. Uh, so, there's a lot of relievers moving up, as you pointed out. There's a good number of starters, too. Not so many hitters. So aside from Anthony Volpe, there's the, the, the hitters there's that are moving up. They're moving up like a round, or two, a round or two. But the one that kind of stands yeah. out besides Volpe is Jared Kelnick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, what are you doing about that? Nothing. 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 Sit, <laughs> sitting on my hands. You're not in? You're not in? <laughs> no, I'm not. Not at, not at 207, which is where he is now. Before it was a 232, I know that doesn't seem like a big difference, but to me that that is a big difference because you're still kind of in the meat of your 12-team draft and you're definitely in the meat of your 15-team draft. And I just think that he's so risky. And yes, he's having a great spring. He's had great triple-A campaigns. Didn't out last spring. Yeah. Uh, and then he comes <laughs> up and he flies out and strikes out. And, you know, I, I th- at this point I see the upside as kind of being Joey Gallo at best and maybe not even with the walks. So... At two thirty-two, okay, maybe as a, a an end game pick, maybe. But no, I, I, I as we're getting towards two hundred, I I just can't see see drafting Kelnick. How about you? Mm. I just uh, man, I'm looking at these double A AA and triple A strikeout rates: eighteen point five percent of double A, fifteen point four percent of triple A. Then he goes back down and is twenty point eight last year. He's working on the swing. He's not striking out in spring. He's projected for 25% strikeout rate. That's not quite Galloian. He does not have the patience or the eye as Gallo. And that's really why he's been struggling so much. I think he can really expand in places where he can't do anything with the ball. And, uh, you know, especially low on low sliders and stuff. So, but there are projections. Even the bat, which doesn't like him, is giving him a 96 WRC plus, and the rest are all giving him above 100. So they're still reaching back into those minors and saying, "Hey, don't forget about the signal in those minor leagues numbers." The average projection is somewhere around 17 homers and 10 stolen bases. I have no issue with that at all. The batting average, it's I, the batting average. It, yeah, because they have the them all at what 220, 225. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. I think it's like 190, 200. Oh, you don't even think it's 220? No, I don't. I mean, mm. they, they, that would have to be dramatic improvement. And yes, it could happen. He's young enough. He's got the minor league numbers. I uh, mean, he had a 141 average. <laughs> yeah, so oh 200 God. is huge that improvement. That is tiny. <laughs> uh, I, I might be able to talk myself into it. All right. All right. Well, you know, it's not so early that it's it's huge risk. Just for me, it's enough. That- shout, shout out to, to uh, my older son. Uh, who right now is rocking a... Let me see what the numbers are here. Three, three, one. Oh, he's rocking a 125 average, but it comes with a 571 OBP, baby. And I'm wearing his his colors today, all house, uh, Palo Alto, all house. He's got a game today. He loves it. 
super excited. He's wearing his uniform uh, to 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 school today, so I'm wearing the hat to 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 egg him on. And uh, we're gonna go. Uh, we're the we're the as the parents we're the scorers. So it's really important to do scoring for Little League because you got to do all the pitch counts. Mm-hmm. And that pitch counts uh, determines who can pitch in the next game. And it's a really important for their health. So uh, that's that's the, how we step forward. I, I try to uh, I try to whisper in the ear of the coaches. But I also I don't want to be the, the dad who thinks he knows everything. Like I, I've seen those guys and they can be annoying. So I try to like respectfully – uh, you know, if you want to talk to me about baseball, I got things I can say, but I'm not going to like yell at you. Uh, I think the likelihood that my son is a professional baseball player is not so high. So, uh, you know, uh, I want him to have fun and I don't want him to be embarrassed about his dad. So, all right, but you're <laughs> repping the team. So I'm repping the team. We're going to, we are going to yell, go Felix today and go all house. Excellent. Go all house. Uh, let's take a look at just a few hitters that are moving up. Not quite as fast as Jared Kelnick, but again, this like with Kelnick seems like it's helium coming from a, a strong spring, a story Ruiz who's got a home run this spring. In addition to the six stolen bases and a 325 average Garrett Mitchell, uh, definitely a reverse there. No steals at all, but, but three homers in 21 plate appearances, Jake Fraley. Well, having- so we're four weeks in and Esther Ruiz has a homer. Yes, he does. I, okay. I would have Just taken the under. So. Put some context around that. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake Freely, he's uh, getting the, the homers and the steals. And I'm very mad at myself for not drafting Jake Freely, not because he's having a great spring, but because uh, I think it'd be cool to have a team called well, Freely's Comet. Oh, there you go. Nice. <laughs> he's up and so is Friedel. And you could have a Friedel's Comet too. Yeah. Uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, that's also a good fish reference. I don't think you're a, a fish I am fan. not a fish fan. Okay, <laughs> I've been a Marlins fan, but not not a. That's a different, yeah. different fish. Uh, it's weird that both Friedel and Fraley are up. Um, that is, yeah. But uh, Friedel is a three sixty five, so that's a real end game pick. Maybe people who are taking Fraley are also taking Friedel. That's a possibility. But Hensley, David Hensley's up in Houston. Uh, I also saw something really weird in the box score the other day. Jake Durden was playing center field. That is weird. I, I thought of him, I mean, isn't he huge? I mean, I got the right Jake Durden. Justin Durden? Justin Durden is his name. Justin Durden is six foot three, so it's not the he's not the huge guy. Hensley's the huge guy, huh? Hensley's Okay. I see here. Hensley is the guy who might be their second baseman. I've been presuming that's and I think I even and read Hensley, somewhere that he had the leg up there. Hensley's six foot six. So they've got this cup, but Justin Durden uh, was playing uh, last year, some center field, some right field and some left field. I just figured when I see a guy in the minors who plays all three outfield positions and not center field exclusively, they're headed towards a corner outfield and they're not like necessarily a center fielder. However, if there is a soft spot on this roster other than second base right now, it is center field. And if Justin Durden uh can can hit his way onto this roster uh he could be a low batting average decent obp slugger uh next to hensley who is going to be more of a contact hitter with a little less power i think um but a better batting average and more stolen bases both of them i think are awkward fits for most leagues just because 
how long will they be around? They're kind of they're going to be there for before Michael Brantley comes back and before Jose Altuve comes back. Of course, Altuve has gone longer, but couldn't they put Mauricio Dubon at second base most days and have Hensley be the backup? Yeah, or in that case, Dubon can play center too. Who Hensley? Uh, Dubon. Dubon can play center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right now it's McCormick, Myers, Dubon, and center. But Durden's showing up there on the Fangraphs chart and in the box scores. Um, let's build a bench real quick. We got to do this. Build a bench, and we're going to do it with Brantley and Altuve out. So let's put Jordan Alvarez as the starter at DH. And uh, we're just doing that for the purposes of this discussion. I don't want to hear about how he's a surprisingly good outfielder. Yes, I get it. I know. <laughs> um, we're putting him at DH, and we're putting. Let's put Dubon at center. The second. Let's just do that because that gives us a bench of um, who's in left now. Uh, McCormick. Okay, so McCormick. We go McCormick, Myers, Tucker in the outfield. Yeah, I think that's well. That uh, coincides with what Dubon at second. Fancrafts uh, has that makes Durden's sense. making this team. I think so too. Durden. The bench is Durden, Hensley, one of the catchers. I guess it would be more exciting if it was Diaz, but it might be Corey Lee. So uh, there's a catcher. There's Durden. There's uh, Hensley. Uh, there's even room for more. So yeah, I think Durden definitely makes the team. You know, I don't know that there's enough of a long-term impact there. Bly Madras could make this team. Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. They're definitely making this team. Dixon Machado could make this team. They've got two behind. I would say Durden, Hensley, and a catcher. They've still got, you'd still have one more, right? Yeah. You have one more. So Durden, Hensley, and a catcher. And so the last spot would be Dixon Machado, Bly Madras territory. Interesting. And might just be uh, Bly Madras because of Brantley's injury. Well, we'll see. Uh, I don't think uh, Bly Madras or uh, Dixon Machado are super interesting, but I do think Hensley and Durden are. And uh, particularly as sort of last bats on the bench, especially if you like their early schedule. All right. Well, I want to bring up two more rising hitters before we get to the fallers. And I'm separating these two out from the ones we were just talking about because they're not having good spring. So they're moving up despite that. One is Miguel Vargas. That's not, you know, that's not too surprising uh, that he'd be. He couldn't swing the bat for like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> he's still, he still got walks. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if there's much there. Uh, Jody Manessis, though, uh, not a good spring. And it's the sort of thing where I, you know, I was sort of wanting, I don't, I know I say this over and over again, I don't want to put much stock in spring numbers, but in the case of somebody like Manessis, I do want at least a little validation else. that, yeah. you know, what he did late last season that, you know, there's some that want to be reassured a little bit. We're not really getting that from him. He's, he's four for 24 and does not yet have an extra base hit. Do you have his WBC numbers in front of you? I don't have those handy. But I did want to kind of just go apples to apples here, even though it's just the the twenty four well, bats. Uh, let me see if I can get, catch him quickly. Uh three seventy over there. Uh, twenty seven at bats, two homers. So uh, he did better in the in the uh, World Baseball Classic. That's of course even more uneven 
than spring because uh, you might be facing Taipei or you're facing uh, actual major leaguers and, you know, on Venezuela and Dominican Republic and stuff. But Mexico had a long run and he still did well. So I'm, I'm not so worried about that one. I am intrigued by a riser next to him, Fran Mil Reyes. Uh, he's at 594, so you don't have to spend anything on him. But uh, he's an interesting guy because he has hit one of the 10 hardest hit balls in front of the machines this spring. And there is an opportunity for him. I think it's him or Prado in, in Kansas City, and Prado has options. If I've got that depth chart sussed, maybe I'll get yelled at for this one. But... Uh, I think he has an opportunity in, in, in Kansas City because Melendez plays the outfield. Uh, Perez has played so much. I don't know that I want him always DHing. Vinny Pascantino is the first baseman, and they do not have they – have, they have bad outfielders. They do not have any outfielders that I want to DH. I mean, you're talking about Drew Waters, Kyle Isbell, Nate Eden, even Alivaris. I don't want any of those guys DHing. Yeah, it doesn't seem so, likely that they would be, especially with uh, Melendez. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe Melendez and Perez DH some, but I think there's actually a full-time DH role available here. And, uh, you know. He'd be the, I mean, you really can't put him much anyplace else. And I don't doubt that he's going to be able to hit for power. It's just, is he going to be able to make contact? anywhere close to and they have a, they rate. have like the rest of the team has uh, has decent amount of contact right sure so you could you could have just uh this slugger he's uh striking out 12 out of 42 that's not bad actually it really isn't 29 percent for front wheel reyes i'll it's take not too that. bad he's three homers <laughs> three, 378 i think he's making this team he also has uh 42 plate appearances to Prado's 36. Um, and Prado's been playing well himself, but also striking out just more, actually. He's been striking out more than Fraunio Reyes. So if you're looking at that and you say, well, we got one guy with options we can send down and see if he can improve his strikeout rate or power his way through it. Or we have a, a guy that might be found money in Fraunio Reyes. And usually teams uh, like to see what they've got with the veteran before they release them. You know, especially since when you DFA a veteran in season, sometimes you can hold on to them because other teams' rosters are set and they're not able to claim him. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, like you said, you don't have to really give up anything to get Reyes. So if you just have him in mind, especially deeper leagues as uh, that reserve round candidate or last round, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a worthy risk. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash rates23. That's linkedin.com slash rates23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash rates23 and get started. 
let's go to the fallers, the ADP fallers. Oh, uh, sad part. Past week. And, and I mean, the, the first few are, are very obvious. Edwin Diaz, obviously falling off the map there. Andrew Painter, Alex Kirilov, uh, starting the season on the, the IL. Uh, and then, you know, we get into some names uh, on the list that they're not falling from uh, like a, a mixed league place <laughs> for the most part. I guess Juan Yepes, he was at 365. Now he's barely in the top 500 as that roster starts to shape up. That that makes some sense to me. I have not drafted him anywhere. Um, but if we, you know. Yeah, these 500s, they don't go, they don't even go in 15 team leagues, do they? Uh, no. I mean, not unless you no, are really not reaching. Not 15 team fab leagues, no. <laughs> so you're right. Yeah. So, you know, some other names, uh, again, to be expected, Mitch Haniger. Brian De La Cruz, we, we discussed this situation, Eno, within the last week or so, trying to figure out whether he or Jesus Sanchez makes the team or gets regular play. And we both sort of landed on Sanchez being out of options, being a, you know, a decider there. And looks like the, the fancy community agrees. It's such a lame thing. I mean, it, it's going to come up in the in the uh, Dodgers outfield situation too. If they're going to be like protect all assets and you know uh, keep as many people on the roster as we can for as long as possible, then uh, then James Outman is going to get sent down, uh, and Jason Hayward is going to make the team. Yep, and re- but I think yeah. maybe Outman would be better for the team. So. I don't know why J.D. Davis is dropping, uh, but he was already kind of a, uh, a a draft and hold type guy. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, none, none of these guys are super relevant in our leagues. Let's see. How far up do you have to go? Well, I, want, I mean, they're dropping 100. So. Right. So if we go to, you know, players who are jo- dropping 40, 45 spots, uh, Jorge Polanco, we mentioned before. Again, I feel like that's a little bit of an overreaction going from 145 to 188, but it's understandable. Vaughn Grissom dropping more than 40 points uh, down to Is 199. Is there news on Max Kepler? Because Kep- he's dropping out of drop, out of, out of, let me see if there's some new injury news on him. Because he Max Kepler is dropping from mixed league eligible to not. That's interesting. I did not, uh, did not pick up on Could that. I thought he's still worth drafting. Uh, left hip tightness. Oh boy, some sort of injury concerns, I guess. Sorry, what were you saying? You were you had some other names. Uh, let's see. Yeah, well, I was you know mentioned Polanco again, Vaughn Grissom. Mm. I want to stop on him for a moment because he's been sent down. So not surprising that he's dropping. He's still in the past week within barely within the top two hundred. So I think there's some good long sightedness there. But what do you see for that situation? Orlando Arcia is probably going to be filling the gap at second base in the short term. But uh, do you think this is just going to be a, a situation where you know they, they just want Grissom to get a good, off to a good start in the minors and then he comes up quickly? Or do you think they really want I don't know. Yeah. So th- this stated thing is a concern, is a weak arm and, and, and poor defense. They've had... Uh, you know, as their shortstop, Dansby Swanson, who had one of the weakest arms among starting shortstops in the big leagues over the last, uh, you know, five years while he was in Atlanta. So it can't just be the weak arm. It has to be weak arm plus some other issues. Mm -hmm. And is he going to fix those issues in two weeks in the minor leagues if he's had them for a while? I don't see it. So I, I think Brandon Shoemake might be up before... Grissom to play shortstop. So that means that Grissom 
is someone who could come up if they have an injury to Ozzy Albies. Would he come up if there was an injury to Ahire Adrianza? I don't know, because Adrianza is more of a backup. Would you come, call up Grissom to be a backup? So I think it would have to be like a, an, a, an injury to a starter like Ozzy Albies or possibly Eddie Rosario or Marcelo Zuna. I, I don't know that they play a lot of Grissom in the outfield, but that is a place that you – corner outfield is a place you put someone where you're like their bat and you're not sure about their defense. So I would say uh, you'd be waiting on an injury to Eddie Rosario, Marcelo Zuna, or Ozzy Albies if you want Von Grissom to come up. Okay, yeah, my apologies. I said second base, but of course it's shortstop. Um, and I, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe where where is the big question? Yeah, but you know that that's an interesting point that you bring up because I don't even know that you necessarily have to wait for an injury uh, an injury to Rosario or Ozuna. I think maybe if they just get off to really bad starts for the first maybe three weeks or so, I think you could see Grissom come up. Yeah, that's interesting. The WC player stats for let me see here. I want to see Rosario. Rosario one seventy six. Ouch! I th- I I thought he'd uh, uh, was doing a little better with the eye surgery, but he's I think always a borderline major league starter, you know, because of certain flaws in his in his uh, approach. Marcelo Zuna has only struck out ten times in forty five plate appearances this spring, uh, and has a homer for it. Uh, they're playing him. He was batting fourth in the last lineup I saw. So if I was to guess at uh, the starter, I would say Ozuna is a starter either at DH or in left field. Rosario plays against righties and Travis Darno and or Sean Murphy steal some DH opportunities when um, Ozuna's in the field. I think that's think that's what's going on. Yeah, it definitely definitely seems plausible. Uh, well, let's uh, get to just a few other names of some big movers downward. Kent Maeda not having the best spring, and so he's kind of sliding out of the. Uh, the it's tw- weird. His stuff plus looks fine. I think I I think I would resist the urge to slide him too hard. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you? Again, going back to the theme of, you know, spring training not being the normal uh, situation, small samples and all that, uh, seven I mean, walks and nine some, and two-thirds for Maeda. And- that's that's actually concerning because you're coming off of TJ surgery and there is a documented loss of fastball command coming off of TJ surgery. Okay. So that, that part is concerning, I guess. But All right. I, I tend to think give him some time and he'll iron that out, especially since he's such a breaking ball guy anyway. All right. Uh, we mentioned before Oswald Peraza. So this is the the flip side to the Volpe helium. He has fallen out of the top 300. Um, I, yeah. How are you dealing with that situation in drafts? Are you targeting either, neither? I'm probably avoiding it. I don't think that much of Oswald Peraza's offensive profile. Uh, there's IKF there too. When I see a crowd like that and I don't trust that the team is going to go the way I like I would want Anthony Volpe to start but that doesn't mean that the Yankees will do it you know what I mean right so when I when I I used to in the past be like oh the teams will do what I would want you know <laughs> like the the Braves will just play Von Grissom at shortstop because I think he's fine there you know uh but the teams don't do what you think they're gonna do necessarily so um one guy that sticks out for me as uh perhaps falling too far is Chris Taylor 
you know, why why is he dropping out of the top 300? Why is he dropping 40 points? Uh, you know, which you just said that Vargas is not having the the most amazing spring. That that means there is an opportunity for an everyday job not even counting the fact that they need help at shortstop and they need help at center field, you know? Well, this is the the weird thing about this situation because, yeah, when, when Lux went down with the injury, probably one of the first things I thought from a fantasy perspective was, you know, well, Chris, you know, Taylor. This is Chris Taylor, exactly. And I haven't drafted him anywhere. And I just, I that situation has gotten crowded again. The Dodgers always make a roster situated situation crowded. Yeah, they do. And so I almost, a, and they're almost a team to avoid because of it. They're like the, like raise, raise relievers or something where it's just like, yeah, <laughs> we're going to figure it out. You know? <laughs> Chris Taylor. I did not notice this has 20 strikeouts and 48 spring at bats, 48 spring at plate appearances. That's kind of rough. Yeah. That does not help. What is that about? Jeez. Well, let's go to one other player, at least here, uh, that I think definitely deserves mentioning. That's Brandon Nimmo. And again, with injury news, it's not too surprising. Uh, he's dealing with an ankle and knee sprain, which, you know, to me sounds like something that would keep him out beyond opening day. But apparently he that's still in play. He could still be uh, on the roster and in the lineup for opening day. So is Nimmo dropping uh, down to the the nether reaches of the the top 200 uh, from the the mid hundreds. uh, Is that an overreaction? Mm, No, I think it's about right. You gotta, you want to start camp with healthy people. And, and it is also a nod to the fact that Nimmo has not been the healthiest guy. You know, it's not, it's not like, you know, Marcus Simeon's a little sore and he still thinks he's going to make opening day. <laughs> if I, I wouldn't put those two pieces of news at the same level of, of like interestingness. <laughs> yeah, I would. I was going to say, well, isn't that sort of baked in? But I guess this is the sort of thing that if you were on the fence about whether or not to take that flyer around 160, 150, 160. Uh, yeah, it would definitely put me off. For sure. He's still he's still a guy that I look at in every draft, and he will be now that he's cheaper. So I guarantee, uh, in my main event, that um, that he will be somebody that I look at at some point and say, "Man, should we? Should we? <laughs> should we?" Harrison Bader dropping for injury. There's a lot of injury stuff here. Joey Votto just having a bad spring, and I guess that's paired with injury. Um, yeah. It's an interesting group of, of players that's dropping. It's uh, there is a there is a for, a part of this that also has to do with what I was saying earlier. But the pitchers, the flip side uh, of going from draft and hold to um, to more like fifteen team fab sort of leagues, is that you'll get guys that you would only draft and draft and hold that you wouldn't draft in these other leagues. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That start showing up as as droppers. Um, what's a good example of that? Um, I think a draft and hold player like Kyle Isbell is a draft and hold player, mm-hmm. you know, and he's dropping because he's not getting drafted as much because he's not going to get drafted in a 15 team league. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach is a, is that kind of player, you know, uh, where you're sort of you, depth, depth in the draft and hold. And, uh, and there's a bunch of guys who got sent down. Essen Barger, JJ Bladé, Vidal Bruhan, guys like that. So, Garrett Stone, 
who was a draft and hold guy for me, got sent down. Boo-hoo. But still, still plenty of opportunity in Washington. It's not a good team. Still plenty of opportunity. Yeah, yeah. No, he uh, had a great season in the minors last year. And if I recall correctly, he did okay when he came up with the Diamondbacks too. So, uh, And those are all players of the ones that you mentioned. I mean, they were going kind of late to start with. So they've just really kind of fallen off the map. But they'll make great, uh, they'll make great fab targets, if not this weekend, down the line. So smoothly segueing into the upcoming Friday show where we will talk about the first fab of the season and, uh, you know, some of these players that, uh, you know, have fallen. Maybe they they become uh, targets for fab or uh, beneficiaries of uh, playing time beneficiaries of, of some of the uh, recent uh, injuries as well. So but we'll we'll save that discussion for Friday. So before we wrap up here, you know, any either kind of macro observations or any players that we should have mentioned that we haven't yet? Nope, nope. Uh, it's the last weekend of drafting. Good luck out there. I'll see if I can get a uh, pitching rank update out there for you uh, by tomorrow. Bold predictions tomorrow might be a fun read uh, as you make your final preparations for the last weekend of drafting. And um, we'll uh, also try to prepare those who have drafted for the first FAB run of the of the season, which might be uh, this weekend for you. So uh, it's kind of an awkward, it's awkward near the end. You know, it's awkward when you've got these young guys that's still in camp that are there, but no, they're not making the team like Jordan Westberg, I guess. And it's awkward when uh, you've got to, you got to go back. Sometimes you have to go back to your uh, major league park for the, the these like rivalry games. Uh, so like the giants are going to break camp uh, and play the, uh, play the athletics uh, next week, early in the week at home. Uh, but they might still do so with minor leaguers in the major league stadium. And it's awkward when you've drafted uh, and you just want the season to start. But uh, hopefully, uh, you, if you missed my last announcement, New York, I'm going to be there on Thursday for an event at Other Half. The RSVPs are closed for the panel part, uh, but uh, come for the watch party. Uh, eat, drink my beer, staring into the shift, uh, eat my sandwich, the knuckleball, and uh and have a good time and if you come near the panel maybe uh maybe some rsps won't show up and you can get in so um please uh hope to see you there all right will you be uh putting that information out on on twitter again or you know anywhere yeah we put it on the athletic there's a piece about it on the athletic if you wanted to see it i've I've tweeted about it i'm going to tweet about it again i'm about to reveal the label for my beer which is awesome label reveal all right uh, so yeah be sure i'm sure you're already following eno but if not uh, definitely be sure to uh hit that follow button now at eno saris i'm at al milk your bb i have no label reveals uh on my twitter just a, a, a warning and if you have questions for us, hit us up there or uh, send an email to us at ratesandbarrels at gmail.com. Rates and barrels all spelled out or uh, put some questions down in the uh, comments here on YouTube if you are watching here on YouTube. So uh, with that said, uh, we will be back on Friday with that fab discussion. So good luck in your drafts, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. 